My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. I've got bad news, good news on COVID and the Omicron variant, but mainly good news and a new pill. Is it time to get back to normal? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Ex-Governor Cuomo is ordered to pay New York his $5.1 million in book profits. Oh, man. An organization that places wreaths at veteran cemeteries is accused of carpet bombing with Christian gang signs. Biden is slapped down by the courts again on illegal immigration. And you won't believe who's complaining about paying his student loans. All of that and more coming up on this edition of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right. Starting with the good news, bad news on COVID, Omicron, etc. Well, I, I, th- I think it's kind of a it's kind of good news, bad news at the same time. All right. Here's the headline from Reuters. Most reported U.S. Omicron cases have hit the fully vaccinated. Greg, that's bad news, man. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm supposed to be safe from the. Well, it it is kind of, you know, bad news because vaccinated people are getting it. It seems more than unvaccinated. However, it seems like being vaccinated is also helping you not get it too severely. And because you're getting it, you're going to have more natural immunity now for the next round. And and perhaps just perhaps many doctors have suggested that catching a mild case helps you build up more immunities. And then if you get it again, it'll be less severe. And eventually it's basically like the flu. You can't say it's like the flu. You'll be deplatformed. I'm saying it could eventually be like that. Why? The CDC said most of the 43 COVID-19 cases caused by the Omicron variant identified in the U.S. so far were in people who were fully vaccinated and a third of them had received a booster dose. Now, I've also seen worldwide they're saying a majority of the people who've gotten Omicron have been fully vaccinated. And But wait, even people with a booster dose? Well, yeah, it said they, a third of them had received a booster dose. So that could be bad news, but I got more on that in a second. Okay, now we get down to the details of the people who got this. 25 of them were aged 18 to 39. 14 had traveled internationally. Six had previously been infected with coronavirus. Now that's a little bit, squirrely because you think, well, they got natural immunity. They should be. Well, it it doesn't look like any of this is foolproof anymore, huh? Most of them, though, only had mild symptoms, coughing, congestion, fatigue. Only one was hospitalized for two days. That's all good news. Now, the Reuters goes on to say, even if most of the cases are mild, a highly transmissible variant could result in enough infections to overwhelm health systems. Well, it could, but If very few of them go to the hospital, I don't think it will, right? Now, Pfizer has a a new study out, laboratory study, that they just released, and they say that the third dose will really help, may may restore your protection. Mm, Maybe. I hope so. I I do. Look, you know, I've told you many times, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm on the fence on getting these boosters. I want to see more about what's going on. I've heard about the so-called leaky vaccine. Maybe we'll talk about that further as we go. But here's what came from that Pfizer laboratory press release. According to the company's preliminary data, a third dose provides a similar level of neutralizing antibodies to Omicron and is as is observed after two doses against the other stuff. Well, and that may be true because even though some people with the booster got the Omicron variant, some people who are fully vaccinated are still getting COVID. So blood samples from people who have had their booster 
showed, quote, 25-fold higher levels of neutralizing antibodies against Omicron compared to the blood serum from people immunized with just two doses. That's from Time Magazine reporting. Essentially, the booster brought levels of these virus-fighting antibodies back to those seen after two doses against the original virus strain. All right, so take that for what it is, but I think there's some good news there. And there's even more good news. We now have more evidence that the pill from Pfizer after you get COVID is very good, very effective at keeping you out of the hospital. It's the antiviral pill called Paxlovid. And the Wall Street Journal uh, editorial today on it is really good, explaining that final trial data showed this pill reduced your risk of hospitalization, and this is among high-risk groups, by nearly 90%. So you're elderly, you've got a pre-existing condition, first time you see a symptom of COVID, within five days you get this pill, and it reduces hospitalization or death by 88%. That's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. So you got to take it right away. Now, the National Institutes of Health and the Biden administration didn't exactly jump on the old bandwagon and fund this thing right away. They were slow to invest in oral treatments. So the pills have taken longer to develop than have the vaccines and the monoclonal antibodies. Why do you think the Biden administration was slow to back this with money? I I think, I'm sorry, but I think it's because they didn't want people to say, well, I don't need to get vaccinated. I got the pill coming. So they were so concerned with getting everybody to vaccinate that they made an, I believe, unethical choice to slow down the development of this pill. They didn't try to slow it down. They didn't fund it. They didn't fully fund it quickly. So why? Hmm. So I think it's an unethical decision to slow down a treatment that could save lives because they think that everyone should do it their way. Now, you understand, we still have about 1,300 people a day dying in America from COVID. 1,300 a day. And how many of those lives could be saved if we had if we had done a better job funding and getting this pill to market? Now, I know some people out there are going, Greg, we already have ivermectin and hydrochloroquine and it's cheap. Yep, I agree that we have that. And I agree that, boy, if I get COVID, I'm I'm taking those. I'm, Why would you take that? Uh, there's no proof it works. Well, there certainly is an awful lot of anecdotal evidence that it works. And there are some studies that show that it is effective. And there's certainly nothing about it that's going to kill me or hurt me. So you better believe I'm throwing the kitchen sink at this thing if I get COVID. I Call me Joe Rogan. Be, but that doesn't mean that um, I don't continue to look for other things that might work better. Paxlovid was found to reduce hospitalization or death by 88% in high-risk groups when taken within five days of the symptom onset. All right, so, and, and by the way, the way this works is it inhibits what the virus uses to replicate. So they think it will be more effective as you get different strains. Right now, you know, the vaccine, well, it might not work against this strain or maybe this strain. The way this thing works, it doesn't matter what strain is what they're thinking. It will stop it from multiplying, which helps you not get it as severely or die. Now, I love this. Um, Once the FDA approves Paxlovid, once it approves it, why would we need it approved? We didn't need the vaccine approved. Everybody was taking the vaccine before it was approved. Why can't we take the pill before it's approved? Mm-hmm. Well, once it is approved, you can request it from your doctor, kind of like when you get Tamiflu when you get the flu. Yes, let's get it to the point that it's like the flu, 
We're going to get it sometimes. We're going to treat it. I mean, you're not scared if you get the flu unless you're in a high-risk group. Hopefully, we're getting to that point. The Biden administration last month did order, finally, 10 million courses at a cost of $5.3 billion. Okay, do the math real quick. Okay, $530 a treatment. Woo! All right, that's pricey. Uh, and a lot more expensive than ivermectin and hydrochloroquine. However, they're, like I said, it looks like this is more effective. Pfizer has signed a voluntary leasing agreement with the UN-backed nonprofit Medicines Patent Pool in order to distribute this around the world. Oh, I see. So once again, American taxpayers are going to all pay to medicate the world. But remember, America is awful and systemically racist. Pfizer has submitted the data for emergency use authorization. Hey, here's the other thing that's really cool about this. They're, they, they, they compared the people taking this Paxlovid with people taking the placebo, and there were no worse side effects for the pill than there was for people taking the placebo. In other words, it doesn't look like there's any so far. So here's my question. Does Biden want this approved by the FDA quickly? Because this could really hurt his mandates in the court cases, right? I mean, how can you say that everybody must take the vaccine if we've got a pill that's going to take care of it? See, Greg, that's why I didn't do it. Uh, that's what I'm telling you. That's that's very interesting. Um, the government may recommend that Paxlovid be prescribed only for those at higher COVID risk until they get a bunch of them made. But this did show, their data shows that younger, healthy people who got the pill experienced a 70% of uh, 70% decline in hospitalization. It's awesome. Also, when you take the pill, it showed a tenfold reduction in your viral load, which is important in whether you're contagious. So it could substantially reduce you transmitting this to somebody else once you're uh, taking the pill. That's awesome. All that's good. Good news, man. Let's go back to normal. Hey, before I talk about Andrew Cuomo having to pay back $5.1 million in his book profits to the state, I want to ask you, if you're enjoying the show, Help me with the movement. Be a part of the movement to push back on the left's view of America as this horrible, awful, racist nation and rally around the idea that America is exceptional and get that information out. Use it with your family and friends. So I would really ask you to tell three friends to tell three friends about the show and they tell three friends and so on and so on. Right. So please subscribe to the podcast, review it. Subscribe to my page, the Greg Knapp Experience page on Facebook. Follow it, whatever it is that you do. And tell three friends to tell three friends. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for being a part of this. You can also find me on Twitter, Parler, Gab, YouTube, Rumble. Greg Knapp Experience is what you're looking for there. Let's talk about ex-Governor Andrew Cuomo, how the mighty have fallen. See, New York's top ethics panel has now ordered ex-Governor Cuomo to pay back to the state $5.1 million he made on the book he wrote on the back of dead people in nursing homes to show how great of a leader he was during COVID, the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. It was a 12 to 1 vote. So it's not just a bunch of Republicans that hate this guy. It was a 12 to 1 vote on this panel that he has to pay it all back. And the media loved this guy, didn't they? They praised him. Oh, he's so good. He's such a great leader. Look at his COVID pressures. He's the anti-Trump. This is how you lead. He comforts people. Hey, and people like me and you were sitting around going, what are you talking about? This guy, he's got the highest rate of COVID deaths in the nation. Well, yeah, but he's in New York and that's different. 
how, how are you, you're giving him credit for saving lives. He's killing old people in nursing homes. He gave the order that they had to take these people back who had COVID. Are you kidding me? And he, what did he do to save lives? Well, we locked down, we put in the mask and did it save any lives? Yes, it did. How can you prove that? Sure didn't look like it when you look at the, at the death rate compared to states that didn't do it his way. And he did that, by the way, while lying about the number of deaths in nursing homes. That's been proven now all while bullying people as the governor and being an alleged sexual abuser. But uh, yeah, he was great. But listen, he didn't he didn't tweet mean things. The panel found Cuomo's book proceeds should be turned over to the state attorney general, Letitia James. Why? Well, they said he violated pledges not to use state resources or government staffers to prepare the book. And he's got to pay the money to the state by next month. Do you think he has $5.1 million laying around now? He probably spent it all. I don't know, man. So he's got to give it to the attorney general there. Their office is still investigating reports uh, about problems with the way that Governor Cuomo, then Governor Cuomo, wrote the deal. He's being investigated by the AG there in New York, the FBI, and the Brooklyn U.S. Attorney's Office. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the impeachment report found that Cuomo used staffers extensively to help prepare the book, though he insisted the work was done voluntarily and legally. And his lawyer says that if they want money from him, we'll see them in court. Well, good luck. Matt Wall is reporting the leader of a nonprofit says wreaths, you know, Christmas wreaths that are laid on tombstones of veterans whose families have not explicitly consented to that are really just putting Christian gang signs down. Wait, what? Yeah, here's the quote. We're not saying you can't place wreaths, but you cannot blanket it like that. They're putting them on most of the tombstones. This guy's from the so-called Military Religious Freedom Foundation. His name is Michael Mikey Weinstein. He says, we're not saying you can't place wreaths, but you cannot blanket it like that. That's like carpet bombing. That looks like it's a Christian gang sign. You're creating territory that's a Christian territory. Okay, okay, okay. Let's slow down. Time out. Hold on, slow down. Let's start over. That's like carpet bombing, he said. Okay, let's start with that. Is it really? What is carpet bombing? Carpet bombing is rolling in and just indiscriminately dropping bombs over an entire area and trying to kill everything in it. That's what a wreath does? Come on, dude. I know, look, I know you're trying to get clicks. I know you're trying to make a splash. I know you're trying to get people to pay attention to me. I know you want to make it look, but you you just lost 90% of the people listening when you say laying a wreath at a tombstone is like carpet bombing. And it looks like a Christian gang sign. Okay, here's another question. Is a wreath overtly Christian? I mean, I understand, you know, I, I understand that it can resemble um, a never-ending circle and evergreen on it. So it's like God, the Alpha and the Omega. Sure, absolutely. But most people, I think, who are not Christian, view a Christmas wreath as just a nice decoration, kind of like a Christmas tree. Uh, there are a lot of people who are not Christian who have Christian trees up, Christmas trees up, and wreaths on their door. So I kind of losing me there too, buddy. Weinstein's organization issued a statement attacking wreaths across America. Those are the ones that put it on the tombstone. They've placed them there for about 30 years. 30 years of gang signs and carpet bombing. I mean, they're killing dead people. Oh, wait. (laughs) By the way, doesn't it really just kind of convey that they care about the service of these people and they're honoring it? No, 
Reeves, across America, executive director Karen Worcester, by the way, said her organization is not Christian or political. Uh-oh. Oh, by the way, if you're an atheist, would you care if somebody put a wreath on your tombstone? I mean, you don't believe in God anyway, so how does that hurt you? Well, yeah, but I just don't want it there. Well, you're dead. How would you even know? Well, but it's just the principle. Okay, all right. So she says it's not Christian or political and that they have a policy against laying wreaths at graves marked with the Jewish star of David since the group started way back in 1992. They're like, well, we're not trying to force ourselves on people. Said wreaths across America has never been asked not to place wreaths for veterans of other non-Christian faiths, such as in Islam. However, she said, they have never placed those wreaths unless asked by the families to do so. So what they're saying is if they see a, another religious symbol, they're not putting them down there. Worcester said, we live in a free country. There's freedom of religion, and we respect that. Maybe this guy should have checked with her first. And she said her organization's message is about bringing people together. Our kids are watching us. We need to put a good face forward and what we can be in unity and go forward as a country. We're so blessed to live in this country because of the men and women that we are trying to honor. We want to respectfully honor every one of them. Well, how dare she? These people. Christ, just sounds awful. Reuters reporting that Biden keeps trying to make it harder to fix our border problem and the courts keep smacking him down. Well, I mean, that's not the way they put it. It's the way I put it. But Reuters has a U.S. appeals court on Monday rejected another attempt by the Biden administration to get rid of Trump's remain in Mexico policy. You remember that one? It's also called the Migrant Protection Protocol. That's the official name. But the remain in Mexico policy was this. You come through Mexico and you're trying to come into the United States of America and you're trying to claim asylum. Well, our courts are way backed up on that. And so what they were trying to do is force everybody in. Then we get released into America and then maybe we'll come back for a trial. Maybe we won't, but we're here. Woohoo! And so Trump said, no, um, we're working on a deal with Mexico. you got to stay in Mexico until your court date. And then we'll decide whether you really deserve asylum or not. And it was stopping these huge hordes of people trying to rush our border. And as soon as Biden gets in, he gets rid of it. And the court said, you can't do that. And ever since then, he's been stalling. And so finally, they come back again to try to do it. And the court smacked him down again. Biden administration reissued a memo terminating the Remain in Mexico policy in the hopes it would overcome the legal challenges. But according to Reuters, the conservative-leaning 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals was not convinced by the new memo. I wonder if Reuters ever writes the liberal-leaning Court of Appeals, where, you know, because most of them are. No, no. By the way, um, conservative judges don't try to rewrite the law like liberal judges do. Conservative judges are actually trying to go by the Constitution as it is written. And that's why quite often conservative judges make rulings conservatives don't like because they're not trying to do whatever you want. They're trying to go by the Constitution. And if you don't like it, you change the Constitution. That's why there's an amendment process. Well, in a ruling Monday night, the court said the U.S. Department of Homeland Security claims the power to implement a massive policy reversal affecting billions of dollars and countless people simply by typing out a new Word document and posting it on the Internet. <laughs> no input from Congress, no ordinary rulemaking procedures, and no judicial review. DHS has come nowhere close to shouldering its heavy burden to show that it can make a law in a vacuum. End quote from the judges. That's awesome. I mean, that is awesome. Yes, the executive branch, the president, does not get to write laws. And just because you put out a memo on a Word document doesn't mean you can change the law. You need to actually go through Congress. So in compliance with the court's order, 
you know, earlier, the administration had begun sending the first asylum seekers back to Mexico last week. That original order was back in August, and he just started complying with it last week. Now, the number of illegal aliens caught crossing the U.S.-Mexico border has soared to record highs this year, sparking criticism from Republicans, says Reuters. Oh, only Republicans have criticized? No, I think the average citizen, regardless of party, is criticizing that. And so are Democratic border mayors and governors because it is crushing them. Speaking of governors, a Republican governor, Governor DeSantis, is fighting back against the Biden illegal alien flights. You know, remember how we found out that that Biden was taking these illegal aliens and flying them around the country, dropping some off in Jacksonville, Florida, dropping some off in Chattanooga, Tennessee, dropping some off in White Plains, New York. The New York Post reported on this. And DeSantis is like, uh-uh, mm-mm, no, not on my watch. So he's planning to deport the illegal aliens who were flown secretly into Jacksonville until the New York Post reported it. And here's what he's going to do. He's trying to put money into the Florida budget, see if it gets passed or not, $8 million bucks for next year, to fly any illegal aliens who are dropped off in America, sorry, sorry, dropped off in Florida to a couple different destinations. Delaware, where President Biden's home state is and where he still goes basically every weekend, or Martha's Vineyard, where Biden and Obama like to vacation, or Washington, D.C., <laughs> I love it. He says, if you sent them to Delaware or Martha's Vineyard, that border would be secure the next day. So he's allocated the money to fly the illegal aliens back to these places. Now, why would why would Delaware or Martha's Vineyard or Washington, D.C. complain about this? I mean, think about it. Biden and the Democrats and the liberals and the celebrities on Twitter. But I repeat myself. They all say. How dare you complain about illegal aliens coming in? I mean, that means you're a racist. That means you hate brown people. That means you're a xenophobe. If you think that there's any problem with just taking in as many illegal aliens as can make it across the border, right? You're some kind of a racist. So if you don't want them in Delaware or Martha's Vineyard or D.C., doesn't that make you a racist? Well, that's totally different. And what about the idea that we're told by the liberals, again, the leftists, that illegal immigration doesn't cost us anything? It's actually a, a, a benefit to our economy and a benefit to our society. Oh, oh, right. So why would you care if they come to Delaware or Martha's Vineyard or Washington, D.C.? I mean, you should want as many as you can. We should fly them all there from the second that they cross the border. I mean, because that's what you said, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. DeSantis pointed out the border crisis and highlighted Biden's secret flights and said, look, you're having 200,000 people illegally enter every month in America. That's a medium-sized American city every month month coming in illegally. Florida also will not provide taxpayer benefits to anyone who arrives illegally. And as the deterrent to illegal immigration, Florida will also ramp up enforcement of the law banning employers from hiring workers not authorized to work in the U.S. Why is he so mean? Why does this governor hate brown people? No, no wait a second. He's the governor of Florida. He's not the governor of Mexico or El Salvador or China or England or Italy or Kenya or wherever. The, the people are coming from illegally. His duty is to serve the best interest of Floridians. And guess what? We can't take everybody. You must come legally, legally. DeSantis' office did say the Jacksonville flights stopped six weeks ago. And he's hoping that that's going to remain the case. But illegal aliens keep flooding over the southern border. 1.8 million this year at last count. Mm. All right. How about this? 
Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat, Connecticut. He is one of the wealthiest members of the Senate, approximately $100 million net worth. Most of it comes from his wife, a member of a New York real estate dynasty, Washington Free Beacon reporting that Senator Richard Blumenthal, Democrat, Connecticut, spoke at an awards ceremony of the weekend hosted by a Communist Party affiliate whose leaders use the event to recruit potential members to the organization. Wait, what? Yeah, well, he presented certificates of special recognition from the Senate to three winners of an award that's given out annually by the Connecticut People's World Committee, which is an affiliate of the Communist Party USA and the Marxist People's World News site. And he proudly went there and gave out awards from the Senate. I can't make this stuff up. You know about inflation, right? CNBC reporting wholesale price measures rose 9.6% in November from a year ago. That is the fastest pace on record. Not not like over the last 10 years. That's the fastest pace on record. But don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And it brings me to, you know, the money talk today. And one of the things people have been talking about on the far left is we've got to, we've just got to forgive everybody's student loan. But what about, what about the fact that you know, most people pay for college and save and scrimp and work. And isn't that kind of unfair? No, no, it's not unfair at all. Uh, people took up, you know, lots of debt and just aren't going to pay back because it's just not fair to make them pay back. Huh? Yeah, I, I don't understand either. So now we get to the people that are upset that the COVID pause on paying back student loan debt is ending in February. And guess who's really ticked off about paying his student loan and just says he's not going to? The husband of the U.S. Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, Chasten Buttigieg posted a screenshot on Instagram of a notification that his student loan relief from the COVID-19 pandemic will expire January 31, 2022. So by February 1, he's got to start paying again. Here's what he put on the post. LOL. No, thank you. Merry Christmas. Next. So what do you mean? No, thank you. You, you took out the loan. You got the degree. You pay it back. Nope. No, thank you. Next. Because, you know, it's just so hard. How do you pay back a loan when your husband only makes $220,000 a year? I mean, that's transportation secretary salary, $221,400. And his husband is a part-time drama school teacher. And they have an apartment in D.C. and a home on Lake Michigan in Traverse City. But they can't pay back the student loan of, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Hmm. That's just great. But the left is very mad at Biden for saying he's not going to extend the student loan relief. And they're ripping on him big time. The lefties are coming at him. Biden ran on a promise of student loan relief, paving a way to help millions of people. Now student loan payments are set to begin on February 1. Broken promises will lose his election in 2022 and 2024. Biden, we voted for you to follow through on your promises. This is from self-described drag artist Marty Cummins. Biden's lost the drag artist. Oh, no. Yeah, you don't. A note to Democrats who blame progressives after losing an election, forcing millions to start paying student loans again and cutting off the child tax credit at the start of an election year. Well, the new tax credit from COVID is not a winning strategy. We're warning you now. Don't point fingers in November. That was far left Representative Cory Bush, Democrat, Missouri. Mm hmm. But hey, don't worry. Student loans are back on, but it's okay because the Biden administration is helping you with electric vehicle charging stations. Right? Yeah. Biden administration accelerating the plans for a national electric vehicle charging network. Mm hmm. He wants 
half of all new vehicle sales to be electric by 2030. And what he wants, he's going to get. So right now, <laughs> electric vehicles are 2% of our entire market. And the industry insiders say we'll need a million fast chargers, allowing you to recharge your electrical vehicle's battery up to 80% in 30 minutes. Whew. I mean, that's just, uh, can you imagine, you know, you're on a long trip and, and, you know, it's a, it's about an eight hour drive. And that means you're going to stop two times, maybe three times, 30 minutes a time to fill up with electricity. And that's a fast charger. Okay. So they say we need a million of those across the country. Currently we got about 46,000 and Joe Biden's new $1 trillion infrastructure package includes $7.5 billion to build 500,000 EV stations by 2030. So let's get this straight. You, the American taxpayer, are going to spend money to put in charging stations for rich people's electric vehicles. Well, everybody will have one eventually. Okay, yeah. How about we let the market do it? No, it'll never happen. Well, then that means they haven't built good enough electric cars. Biden says he's willing to lose the presidency over decisions including the pandemic, Afghanistan, and the middle class. Biden says he's willing to lose the president. Okay. I'm willing for you to lose it, too. He was on CBS Sunday morning. He said, look, one of the things we did decide, and I mean this, my word is a Biden. <laughs> yeah, that's worth a lot. I know what I'm willing to lose over. If we walk away from the middle class, if we walk away from trying to unify people, if we start to engage in the same kind of politics that the last four years has done, I'm willing to lose over that. He's done all that. Yeah, I know. He's done all that way worse than was being done before he got in. If you look at what's happened. But I am glad he's willing to lose. Because he's going to. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. 